You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie, and this is another episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast, and today we have a very special guest. It's Elizabeth, I'm going to butcher your name, I'm so sorry, Girard, Girard, how do you Girard, say Girard, in English, it's Girard, but in French, you did a much better job than most. <laughs> That's my 10 years of, of French training that went nowhere. Anyway, um, so she is a certified holistic health coach and educator who is helping clients to uncover hidden food sensitivities, allergies, and intolerances so they can live a vibrant life. Um, that is, that's really great. Um, now, Elizabeth, you are not a nurse, but you are in the nutrition space and uh, the wellness space. So one of the things that I want to kind of get is that your background, like how did you how did you get into this space? Because it looks like you were in the corporate world for a while. So could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yes. So I was in the corporate world for many years. I, you know, I think like a lot of health coaches, I got really sick. I was the typical corporate executive where I worked myself into the ground, probably worked 15, 16 hour, hour days, ate the wrong foods, drank too much, didn't sleep, you know, typical. And unfortunately, we, it took a while for us to get pregnant. I lost a baby six months in utero and kind of my world changed. Um, doctors, luckily I had some great physicians at the time. We were living in London and one of my doctors said, this is not normal because the baby was fine. And it just looked like he starved to death. So he did a lot more testing, realized I had an autoimmune condition. And that kind of started my journey to wellness. Um, the integrative physician I was seeing said at one point, she's like, you know, you eat like crap. And I was very, what do you mean I eat like crap? I eat great. I follow all the latest fad diets. And, you know, I could name them all. I was any fad diet, I've been on it. And she said, yeah, that's crap. You need to eat real food. And this is, you know, 16 years ago. I'm like, real food, what does that mean? So it was so eye-opening for me. She put me on a diet called the GAPS diet, which is the gut and psychology syndrome diet. Okay, going from a SAD, the standard American diet, to that diet is insane. I mean, it was so hard and so difficult. I did it for about nine weeks and then totally fell off the wagon and thought, this is impossible. I can't do it. So kind of gave myself a few weeks, stepped back and thought, you know what? I can do this, but maybe I just need to do it in smaller chunks. Like, let me look at what's possible. And so that was kind of my own journey. I mean, I read anything I could find. I am an avid book reader. So I looked online, I read books, I did so much research on my own and issues that I had had for years started going away. I always had skin rashes. I always had an upset stomach. I always had like psoriasis, eczema. I mean, I was full of 
stuff. I went into anaphylactic shock from seeds and nuts. I mean, I had all kinds of crazy stuff for years. And I just thought that was part of who I was. And as I changed my food, my lifestyle, the products I used in my house, things started changing. And all of these things that I just assumed I could had to live with for the rest of my life were starting to go away. Um, of course, I was diagnosed with lots of things like an autoimmune condition and Lyme and lots of Lyme co-infections. And, you know, it's been a long journey. So I started this 16 years ago. That was a very long answer to your question, but it's been so eye-opening and I have changed my life. I have changed my son's life. He was really sick about six years ago. And I realized when he came to me in tears, we had been on vacation, eating out in restaurants, eating, you know, the typical pizza, chicken nuggets, French fries, burgers, mac and cheese. And he was really sick. And he started telling me all his symptoms. He had diarrhea all the time. He had no energy. He had skin issues. He had lots of upper respiratory um, congestion. And changed his diet and within three weeks he was a totally different child so, go ahead no i, I was going to say that's amazing <laughs> you know that's um you know because it's like the body's telling you something and you just have to listen mm -hmm. well i always tell my clients our bodies are perfect and the question is do you listen when it's whispering to you or do you wait until <laughs> It screams and yells. And unfortunately, usually we wait until the body is screaming and yelling. Um, so at that point, when I saw that huge transformation in my son, I decided, you know what, I need to go back to school and learn more. So I went to the Institute of Integrated Nutrition, got my certificate as an integrated nutrition health coach. And I've been doing that. I graduated in 2013, and I've been health coaching since then. Okay, so you're not a registered dietitian, but you went to the Integrative Coaching Institute or uh, Institute of Integrated Nutrition. Okay. IIN is what we call it. Okay. Okay. And and that was enough for you, like you know, you don't you didn't feel like you missed out on um like you needed what they were teaching in, in dietary school or, or whatever. You know, I think there's different schools of thought. I mean, I'm an avid learner, as I mentioned earlier, so like if you could look around my office, I have about 15 different nutrition books sitting here and I'm constantly learning more, but I don't think that you have to, to help people, you do not need to be a registered dietitian. I mean, I do have friends who are dietitians and some of them, you know, will work more in corporations and things like that. Whereas I enjoy, you know, being out with people, presenting to people and guiding people on their journey of how they can improve their, their lives with food, mindset, lifestyle choices. And I think it's just a different slant from a dietitian. But I don't feel that that keeps me back at all, not having right. that degree. So, I mean, lifestyle changes is a huge thing because in the medical world, this is like the answer to every disease process that you could possibly have. It's, uh, oh, you have a stroke, you need to do lifestyle changes. You had heart failure, lifestyle changes, peripheral vascular disease, life, that's always the answer is like lifestyle changes. But it's just this huge, broad category. And to say to a patient, you need to go make some lifestyle changes. I mean, I, 
where to even start with something like that? So, you know, what it, what is kind of like your process with helping people with lifestyle changes? And if it's, you know, if it, is it just focused on food or do you have a broader, um, broader range? So I will say my first comfort level is food. There's no question because that's been my experience in changing food. But I will then kind of, the first place I start with people is I want to find out where are you today, right? Everybody is different. Everybody is at different parts in their journey. So I will ask someone to fill out a meal. Give me a journal of what you ate and how you felt and what you did for three days. So the what you did and how you felt starts getting into some of the lifestyle and mindset. And I also have them rate kind of their stress, how they're sleeping. Those things, once again, are getting more into the lifestyle issues or the lifestyle, potential lifestyle changes. Um, so that's how we start. And then we review that information. And then, of course, the next question is, how willing are they to change? And I will say that one of my, one of the ways that I qualify my potential clients is with that three, you know, having them do that questionnaire. Because if you don't have enough motivation to do that questionnaire, you know, making dietary and lifestyle changes is hard. I'm not going to say that it's not hard work. But if you have someone kind of, you know, your cheerleader on the side supporting you, giving you the roadmap, it makes it much easier. Right. Yeah, and I can really appreciate the dietary changes because, you know, I did this exercise program for literally 36 weeks, 36 weeks. And every 12 weeks, they would test my body fat, my weight and stuff, and nothing budged for 36 weeks, going three times a week. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? And then I finally stopped going and had started a dietary change, you know, just eating salmon and, and chicken and and then the weight started to come off and it was just kind of like i don't know if my body was just like no i'm not letting go <laughs> but it wasn't until i actually did the dietary and it, it was a mindset change for me because i've always associated physical exercise with the way to lose weight not diet that was just kind of like you get to exercise and then to eat what you want but you know it, it doesn't really work that way you know, that is absolutely true. I mean, I think when we're in our 20s and 30s, we can, you know, exercise out a bad diet. But I think once you hit kind of 40, it's really hard to do. Some people, yeah, they can. But I think you hit upon a great point too, like doing those checks. So the gym I belong to, they have a tool called the InBody Tool. And I love that tool because not, you know, sure, we can all step on a scale, but it tells me what is my percentage of muscle mass? What is my percentage of fat? It'll give me an indication. Like when I first started using it, it told me I needed to lose 4.4 pounds of fat. And I have to say, I took that as, oh, I need to lose four pounds. But it was not four pounds. It was four pounds of fat. So I didn't actually, I mean, I have probably lost four pounds since I started working with this machine maybe nine months ago, but I've seen the shifts in my muscle mass versus my fat mass. And that is so critical. And, you know, the more muscle you have, the more calories you can burn every day. And when you're doing weight training and things like that, you're burning calories longer. You know, you have kind of that afterburn. So it really does make a difference what you're eating and what type of exercise you're doing. 
Right. So what are some of the biggest offenders that uh, we routinely eat, I guess, in the American diet that are, are just really, <laughs> there's probably a lot of them, <laughs> the whole diet. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, what I, okay, so my clients, the three biggest offenders that we see, I mean, nobody's going to be surprised here, is of course the sugars, right? The added sugars, the kind of wheat and the gluten, and then dairy. Those are usually the three biggest issues where people remove those from their diet and they have like a light bulb, like, oh my God, I feel so much better. Um, so those are really the three biggest culprits. And then of course, you know, you have like the addictive foods, which of course sugar fits in there in my mind. You have your alcohol, you have your caffeine, which, you know, some of those things are fine depending upon where you are in your journey. Okay. And, and what does that mean? Like, um, it's okay to have some sugar if you're at a certain point? Yeah, I think it's, it depends on like, right. So now let's say you have a high A1C, right? You want to be really focused on what are my added sugars? What are the carbohydrates I'm eating? And, but you know, at the end of the day, I love the 80-20. I hate the term everything in moderation because mm -hmm. I feel like that that is an excuse. Oh, I just had two sodas yesterday. Everything in moderation. Well, <laughs> maybe, but really, is there any nutritional value in soda? No. Maybe have a kombucha instead, or maybe have a seltzer with some real juice in it. You know, there are different kind of swaps. You know, I don't like to say anything is restricted, but once people start to feel differently, they make their own restrictions like, oh, I don't want to eat gluten because it makes me feel like crap. And I'm going to go for a nap five hours, you know, after or for five hours afterwards, or I'm going to feel like not so good tomorrow. I'm going to feel like I have a food hangover. <laughs> That's funny. That's something that I've experienced later now in my life. Like I just, there's certain foods that I look at it and I'm like, I'd really like to eat it, but I just can't stand that the food hangover afterwards. It's so painful. <laughs> Well, you know, and that's one of the tricks that I always talk to my clients about. Like, if you go to a buffet, fine, but do the, you know, go around once before you make any decisions and see what are those three or four things I want to splurge on and what am I going to eat first to kind of start filling myself up so I don't overeat on those things. You know, think about it. If there's like this piece of gorgeous, like for me, a molten lava chocolate cake is, mm. you know, I can't pass it up. <laughs> but the first few bites are usually the best. So once, like I'll often share something like that with one of my kids or my husband or what have you so that I am not tempted to eat the whole thing or cut it in half immediately and move it you know, get it out of my sight. Because yeah, I want to enjoy things too. I don't want to feel like I'm living this horrible restricted life. But I know that having a few bites of it is going to fulfill my need, you know, for that food. And I'm not feeling like I am deprived. Right. That's great. So now you put together this business called the Pure Simple Wellness mm -hmm. Holistic Health Coaching Business. Um, when did you start that? And, you know, how, how, what was your kind of like trajectory in, in putting it together and, and getting it, um, it just monetizing this business? So I started my business, I, I started my health coaching in March 
the following January, I launched Pure Simple Wellness. And I launched it in January because I launched with a January cleanse. And I did have a business coach. I highly recommend having a coach because it's someone who's a few steps ahead of you and can see further than you can. Because you're, you know, at the end of the day, when you're a solopreneur, you're doing everything. You're doing yeah. your website, you're doing your blogs, you're doing your marketing, you're doing your sales, you're doing your work, you're, you know, delivering your services. And having someone else who can step back and see what's going on and help you have a plan and, you know, really be your cheerleader, kind of like I am for my clients. And just help you see where you're going is absolutely critical. And I have to say that without my business coach, I would not have launched in January. There's no way. I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the number one point. You're never ready. <laughs> Nothing true. is ever going to be perfect enough. I mean, I'm a perfectionist and I have gotten a little better. Granted, having three kids, you have to step back on perfectionism a bit. And the other thing is, you know, good enough. If it's good enough, get it out there. Put yourself out there. And the other thing is, don't be afraid to sell something that you haven't done yet. Like, mm -hmm. okay, sure, I can do, you know, this presentation for you in March. Oh my God, I haven't written it. I mean, as long as you have some idea and you have the knowledge, put yourself out there. Because if you don't put yourself out there, no one is going to be knocking on your door to find you. This is true. <laughs> yeah, because there's always that comfort zone where you are. And then it's kind of like, if you want to move forward, you have to kind of stretch out of that, that comfort zone. And that's, that's the hard part. And I think we all suffer from some form of like, imposter syndrome of, you know, well, who am I to be teaching this? <laughs> You know, absolutely. And I have to say, like I, in my path, I have gone to see, you know, dietitians at the doctor's office just to see what they're doing versus what I'm doing. And you know what? I'm doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't run tests and I can't do, you know, I don't prescribe supplements or anything like that, but I do work alongside practitioners who can do that. And I have kind of my Rolodex of people that I can refer to. If I can't help people, at the end of the day, my goal is to help people. If that means referring them to someone else, you know, don't be afraid to say, I don't know, I can't help you with this, but let me find someone who can. And, you know, your clients love that or for you guys, your patients. I mean, they love that because they don't want to start cold looking on the internet for someone. If you have someone that you're comfortable with and that you've worked with, you know, they'd much prefer you to give them that information than make up something or, you know. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely think uh, patients really, or I keep saying patients, but clients very much appreciate not having to start from ground zero because you don't know who to trust out there. And then you have to go and, and I mean, that's a big factor of, you know, even what you put on your website, um, making people feel comfortable with you uh, and making them feel like they can trust what you're saying. Exactly. And you asked a question too about business. So Two years into my health coaching business, I was at, had a table at a local gym, and this gentleman came up. We started chatting, and he asked, oh, where do you think the hole is in the industry? And I said, well, my clients are always asking. I'm a, I'm a big cook. You know, could you cook for me? Can you do the meals for me? So fast forward three months from that, we, we met. We decided, what the heck? Let's try this business. We put out an ad to see if we could find a chef. We found an amazing chef 
within nine months, we launched the business. Um, I did that for two and a half years. I have to admit that the food business is so hard. And we, we had a product that had a very short shelf life. We were doing meals, gourmet, healthy, fully prepared meals delivered. And it was truly sucking the life out of me. And I finally, after a lot of stressing, decided, you know what, I'm not sure that this is using my best skills. You know, I was in the kitchen, I was cooking, I was delivering, I was doing, once again, many of the different aspects of the business. And I made the conscious decision that I'm ready to shift. And I have to tell you, you know, everybody says, oh, the universe conspires to help you. When I finally said, okay, I need help and I need a different solution, I ended up meeting someone who has a business much bigger than mine, and she has now incorporated my part of the business into her business. I'm involved now peripherally with marketing, but ultimately I will be out of the business by the end of this year. And like my life has changed. So I think the whole reason I went into that is just to tell all of your listeners, you know, if you start something and it, it's not what you thought it was going to be, it's not a big deal. And never, ever, ever look at things as, oh my gosh, I failed. Because you didn't. You failed if you didn't start. Right. You know, what is the phrase for fail? First attempt at learning or something like first attempt <laughs> in learning, you know, and it's really simple once you put yourself out there to just, you know, what do they say in sailing? Like just change tack. Mm hmm. Just pivot, you know, just, uh, you know, and that's, it's good to know what you don't want. Um, Because the, so you're talking about your company, it was called Zing Meals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it looks really good. (laughs) I'm like hungry looking at it. it, I have to tell you, our food was top notch, our chef was top notch, and it followed all of my core principles. You know, if I wouldn't feed it to my family, we didn't feed it to our customers. so it was, it was great and I loved it. And I still, you know, stand behind our new partner who's doing it. She does, she does a great job. She's got, she uses local farms. She uses pasture raised meats, grass fed meats. I mean, it's just really, really high quality food. So, right. Um, so the model that you use to monetize your pure, simple wellness, you know, I see you have some, are they group programs, one-on-one, how, what kind of offerings do you have? So I do both. I mean, my preference is definitely group programs because I think being in a community makes it so much easier to make the changes. You know, sure, one, I love working with my one-on-one clients too, But I think that when you're in a group, you're not only gaining my experience, but you're gaining the experience from everyone else that we're working with. Uh, for For example, right now, I'm just coming off my January cleanse. I run a January cleanse every year. It's a 30 day cleanse with two weeks of true clean eating. And then we kind of reintroduce foods. I just launched actually two days ago, a new program called Focus on Healthy Eating and Healthy Living. And that's more of an educational program where we're learning about which foods are healthy, which foods work for you, how to read labels, really just understanding. I mean, there's so much conflicting information out there. Just 
putting it all together so that you don't have to do the research. So it just takes the load off of you. And it's very much a step-by-step -step process. And that program I run as a small group. I don't like more than three to five people in it just because there's, you know, some one-on-one -on -one time in that with me and the individuals. And we're in a learning platform, so we're doing a lot of sharing. Um, and then I also do a lot of presentations, whether it's in the community, whether it's at local gyms. Um, I also do some corporate wellness work. And like my favorite presentation of doing them at the moment is the art of chocolate. So how we can lose weight and still enjoy chocolate. Oh, that's great copy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm intrigued. <laughs> Um, and it looks like you also do grocery storage tours and pantry cleanups. That's something I could use, actually. So I have to say, like, my that's my love. As I said, I'm a total foodie. So if you bring me a product and say, okay, I can't live without this, I will work my tail off to either create a recipe that's clean for that item or, like, step back and say, all right, well, instead of, right, let's take something really simple like Doritos. I don't really think anybody should ever eat Doritos. If you look <laughs> at the ingredients, I mean, it's just bad news. MSG, artificial colors. I mean, they are made to be addictive. So you get that orange on your fingers and you want to lick it off. And that's all part of the chemical process that's made in the lab. It's purposefully done that way. But, you know, could you maybe use regular corn chips and could you put on, I don't know, anything but the bagel spices from Trader Joe's to give it a little bit of, of flair? Or could you put a barbecue kind of seasoning blend, a clean barbecue seasoning blend on to get that? Or could you eat it with a little bit of cheese? You know, so how can you find the flavors and the textures that you're looking for, but in a healthier way? Oh, that's so. great. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Um, so how do you get your clients? Like what, what is your kind of marketing platform or, or how do you go about getting consistent clients into your business? So this is always, I mean, the biggest challenge for solopreneurs is where the heck do I find these clients? And I think there's a few different ways. I mean, number one, you want to be at networking events. You should probably do at least one networking event a week. I do believe that going to the same networking event 10 times is more beneficial than going to 10 different network events one time, right? Because it's all about building relationships. People want to work with someone they know, like, and trust. And how are you going to get to know someone and like them and trust them? It's by seeing them and developing a relationship. Um, another great way is getting yourself out in the community, whether you're doing free um, free talks, you know, speaking at events or doing podcasts like this or doing guest blogs on other people's sites, um, doing Instagram takeovers, like really a lot of it is just getting out the word of mouth. I also donate to every local event in my area will come to me and ask me for a donation for, you know, charity events. And I'm always happy to do that. One, because I love to support the community. And two, it just helps to get my name out there. So I think word of mouth is 
fantastic when you're starting out. And I think the other thing, and this is an area where I'm going to admit right here, I fall down, is pick up the phone and call people. Yeah. Do not be afraid to do that. And I've got a list of five people I have to call. And I was so <laughs> happy we were doing this because I don't have to make the phone calls. <laughs> that That's really, yeah, just, you know, showing up every day, I think, is is really vital because a lot of us just want to put up a, a website and see the money start rolling in and it just doesn't work like that it's like a, a myth uh, you know that's kind of perpetuated by who knows <laughs> but right I mean I think the people who say they're an overnight success sure they're an overnight success 10 years in the making right <laughs> yeah it took me 10 years to be an overnight ex success exactly all right, Elizabeth, this has been really great information. Um, is there anything that you want to, anything more that you want to tell us about your businesses or, or last words or thoughts that you have that you want to share with the audience? I think my biggest kind of suggestion for everybody who's listening, if you haven't yet started your business or you're not sure what to do, just try it right? It doesn't, if it doesn't work the first time, as we talked about earlier, just shift. And, you know, when you're coming up with your marketing message, let's say you're a nurse and you've worked in with diabetics, you know more about that field than probably 90 to 95% of the people out there. So try that as your focus, you know, look for areas where are diabetics, could you speak? And as a nurse or a medical professional, you have a lot of credibility. So you can go to hospitals, you can go to a lot of these areas or other doctor's offices and say, hey, I'd love to talk on ways to reduce your A1C or whatever it is. So don't be afraid to reach out to people because I really do believe that people want to help you know how you feel better when you're helping someone else often than when you're helping yourself so I think that that would be my first and my first word of advice is don't be afraid and just try you know don't wait till it's perfect because it will never be perfect no. Nope, that's so true. <laughs> um, that is awesome advice. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And um, if people want to find you, where can we find you? So I am at puresimplewellness.com. And then I'm on Instagram at puresimplewellness. And I am on Facebook as Pure Simple Wellness with Elizabeth. And then my email is elizabeth at puresimplewellness.com. And the whole reason of my name of Pure Simple Wellness is because I think that being well is looking at pure, like pure foods, simple. I want my goal is to make healthy easy for people, not to make it overwhelming. And then obviously wellness. So puresimplewellness.com. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. This was so fun and I love what you're doing. And I really do believe that the nurses can add so much value for people where so many people are struggling and suffering and you guys can help them. So get out there and do it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>